Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello, I'm Jonathan Moles, and you're listening to FT Startup Stories, a 10-part series in which founders recall their tales about the challenges of building their businesses. This week, we look at how one struggling business turned itself around by discovering the value of sharing ideas with others. The Drum is a magazine and events business for the marketing industry. It was well regarded, but not particularly profitable. And Diane Young, its chief executive, found herself looking for ways to boost her flagging motivation. I don't know that I am the same person in a way. I I think that I've changed myself because our, our business was, we worked really, really hard and we were good at what we did, but we just weren't making any money. And often we were making losses. We were living at the limit of our overdraft sometimes. You know, most people look forward to payday. I used to dread it because we had to work out whether we were going to make payroll or not, which we always did, actually. We never, ever didn't pay people, and we always even managed to pay ourselves as well. But as an existence, it was very stressful. It was very unrewarding. Um, it's emotionally quite difficult to live like that. And so yeah. eventually I just thought, look, the only way this is ever going to change is if I change myself. And I think really what had gone wrong was, although I came into the business, I learned all about marketing and media. I learned how to do events. I learned marketing. I learned how to be in charge of the finances and so on. I never actually learned anything about being good at running a business. Um, And I didn't have anyone really to guide me, or we didn't as a a trio, we didn't really have anyone to guide us. Because people do have mentors or guides, you never... They do. We had had one non-exec director, and he was absolutely great, and he really helped us. But he gave me one bit of advice that I think harmed my progress in business, which was that he said that, you know, the kind of business self-help books, the only person they were any good to was a writer, because they made loads of money and they weren't any use to anyone else. But actually, what I should have been doing was hoovering up business books, autobiographies of really successful people, um, and really looking at how what they had done could be replicated to help me in my life. So that was really the change where I thought, right, I've got to start learning from people who know how to do this better, because I can see lots of people running great businesses. Why am I not able to do that? And where did that start then? Was it a book or did you get yourself on a, on a course or a programme? Or? I started out, I, I think I was searching online for some copywriting inspiration and I came across somebody who was doing a tele-seminar course, 12 one-hour sessions. So I booked onto that and I got my senior team and we clustered around the telephone once a week for 12 weeks and looked at different types of marketing techniques. And it just really started from there. I started doing courses, going to more relevant conferences, I started hanging about with people or making a point of talking to people who I thought were successful and who might be willing to share some of their knowledge. I still do coaching, I'm now in a mastermind group which I participate in once a month. I'm in the supper club, an entrepreneurial network and you go along, have an informal dinner with a topic 
and everyone around the table has different levels of experience of that topic. For instance, international expansion. Um, I've been going to quite a few of those dinners recently. When I started going, I had no idea. We had no international presence. But now I'm kind of one of the mid-knowledge people. And so I'm further ahead of some people, but still have got lots to learn from the other people at those. So going to things like that and then creating your own small networks on an informal basis as well just makes such a huge difference. And I just wish I'd done it years and years ago. You could go to those sort of events, I imagine, sort of every night of the week. Have you learned anything about how you use it or or how do you choose which of these will give you the most benefit? I think the most important thing is to find somewhere where there are people that are at a broadly similar stage to you. I mean, there's no point in me hanging about with the chairman of Shell or something because that's just a no use whatsoever but to be around entrepreneurs who are trying to build their business as quickly as they can they're ambitious they're energetic they encourage you and they don't think you're mad when you come out with something some sort of ridiculous plan that you've got they just kind of nod and say yeah you should go for it and by the way um, here's what happened when we tried to do that what worked and what didn't so I think it's the mindset of the people around you that's the most important. I imagine for a lot of entrepreneurs, you're so busy on your business that it's very hard to find time or you think there isn't time to meet those other people. Does that ring true? Um, It is hard to find the time, but it's really, really important to make the time. It does involve some evening things. It involves going out for early breakfast. It involves taking time out of the office. But I never regret that time, really. I can't think of a single time when I went along to something. You have to be very selective, but when I went along to something and came out, thought that was a complete waste of time. I didn't meet anyone interesting. I didn't hear any good ideas. Um, And the other thing is to invest money in it as well. So we spend now, well, in excess of £15,000, £20,000 on that kind of self-development in the business each year. It's much more efficient than trying to invent a successful formula yourself. So you've gone from a regional business in a way to a multinational business. Now, that sounds like this is quite a transformation. It's been a huge transformation in the last four to five years. And we are now our ambition is to be the first proper global marketing news platform and then to replicate the other services that we provide in the main centres of marketing around the world. Do you feel at the sort of beginning of this change and that you see lots of other things you can do? Well, we've got a fantastic foundation of products and services to build on. And one of the things that we did over the last few years that's really helped us was to do things that were scalable. Because we used to spend lots of energy doing things that were always going to be small. Um, so now everything that we do is scalable, so every territory that we go into, with perhaps some tweaks for local market conditions, they can all be replicated can you wherever a, the drum goes. Can you give some an example of that? Uh, so, for instance, um, we have a service called Recommended Agency Register, and that helps brands to choose agencies based on ratings. So we have over 30,000 ratings of agencies which allow clients to see what it's actually like to work with those marketing companies and they can use that information to help them to choose to make a shortlist and to run their pitches. So that is run online, it's on a .com URL and a lot of the things that can be done, that 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 service do, can be done online without necessarily intervention from a human being. So that is therefore 
replicable across any territory. You know, so we do have a foundation on which to build, yeah. but I think the rate that the media industry is changing, who knows what we'll be doing. You know, we've had a TV series broadcast last year. Yeah. Uh, we now have an, an in-house TV production crew. So who knows, maybe the drum will have its own TV station and we'll probably be doing a bit more podcasting and just the number of different channels that we can use to help our customers to reach our audience are multiplying all the time and then our geographical reach is multiplying as well so there's there's lots of opportunities I, I don't know yeah. what the business is going to look like in five years in some ways For Diane Young, inspiration came from books and from sharing experiences and knowledge with other founders. She may not have realised this, but she was in many ways following a process called maximising learning, advocated by Steve Blank of Stanford Business School in his book on the Lean Startup. He explained the concept to me. The Lean Startup is simply a collection of my work, work of Barrick Reese, work of Alexander Osterwalder, that puts together three key ideas. One, it says, look, everything you think you know on day one as a founder is likely wrong. And in fact, at Stanford, we call them, you have hypotheses. Outside Stanford, they're actually called guesses. You're guessing about a lot of stuff in a startup. Who your customer is, you know, what's the right distribution channel, what resources do I need? And so we use something called the business model canvas developed by Alexander Ostenwalder, a single piece of paper to write down all these hypotheses. The second thing we do, which is pretty radical, is we assume that there's no facts inside your building about these hypotheses. You might think you know, but the facts are outside. So we, in fact, make founders get outside the building, not to sell their products at first, but to test their ideas. And then the third part is, part of this testing is not just talking to people, but building things we call minimum viable products which are iterative and interactive things that look like and incremental things that look like prototypes, but are actually designed to maximize learning about each part of this business model. So those three parts, business model design, customer development, and agile engineering make up what's called the lean startup and allow companies to find out much, much, much earlier before they spend lots of time and money whether their assumptions are correct about their business. How does a company that doesn't have much resource then know when to stop pushing at a certain sort of product idea or to grab an idea and really run with it? Yeah, so one of the fallacies, number one, is that a lean startup it doesn't mean a cheap startup. A lean startup means one's following this process of actually testing hypotheses. To answer your question about when do you know, you know, this is part of the art of entrepreneurship. Eventually, you'll get enough data to tell you that, gee, maybe pricing shouldn't be $9.99. Maybe it should be $900. Or unfortunately, often the converse is true, where maybe you shouldn't be giving away the product. Maybe you should be licensing it. When you find out something like this, one of the key ideas about the lean startup is you're allowed to declare, gee, I was wrong about this hypothesis. And we call that declaration a pivot. A pivot is a fancy word for a substantive change to one or more of the components of this business model. What it means is instead of firing a VP of sales or getting rid of your head of marketing, you actually fire part of your plan first before you fire people. Eventually, you do enough pivots, you either kind of hone in on the right way to make money and build the company, or you run out of money and time and you shut down the company. 
Back at the drum, I asked Diane Young what were the two books that made the biggest impact on her thinking. I think there are two books that had a really big impact on me, and the first is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, mm. and a lot of that is about mindset and being around people who can help you and whatever your journey is that you set out to do. And that's a very old book. It was written in 1940 or something like that. I can't quite remember the right. date. And then the other one is a book called The Language of Leaders by Kevin Murray, which helped us to think about what the point of our business was and where we wanted to get to, and also how to communicate that to the people in the business to bring them along. And both those books completely, I think, changed the course of my business life in a very yeah. positive way. Yeah. And literally, if I didn't do any of the other stuff that I've done over the last few years, I would read those two books and I yeah. think we would still be able to have achieved a lot of what we've done. Next time, I'll be chatting with a founder of a business designed to protect airports from bird incursions. His business was saved by switching his pitch to governments trying to detect enemy drones. You can catch up on previous episodes of FT Startup Stories by going to our special page, ft.com startup, where you can also find links to FT articles on entrepreneurship and business education. You can also take up our offer of a 25% discount on a subscription to the Financial Times by going to ft.com forward slash startup offer. Until next time, goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.